Welcome to SNC's podcast series, SNC Critical Insights. I'm Chaz Karen, an associate in SNC's litigation group. And with me today is Bob Downs, a partner in our general practice group and co-head of the firm's capital markets group, and Tony Lewis, a partner in our litigation group. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Jazz. We're happy to be here. Today, we'll be discussing five recent SEC enforcement actions relating to cybersecurity, specifically relating to deficient procedures and disclosure controls in the cyber context. First, we'll discuss some background for the actions, including noteworthy aspects and their potential drivers. Then we'll talk about how the SEC is addressing cybersecurity issues outside of the enforcement context. And finally, we'll conclude with a few takeaways and best practices. So with that, Bob and Tony, could you start us off with an overview of these actions? Sure, Chaz. I'll start with the charges against First American Financial Corporation, which were announced on June 15th. The case arose because, according to the SEC, in January 2019, First American Information Security personnel learned of a vulnerability in the company's document sharing application that left millions of document images containing customers' personal and financial information exposed to unauthorized access. Basically, if you took the First American link to your mortgage loan documents and changed the numbers in the link, you would gain access to someone else's mortgage documents. After learning of the defect, the relevant personnel were required under company's policies to either cure it or obtain a waiver or risk acceptance from the chief information officer within 90 days, but they failed to do so. So a few months later, a cybersecurity journalist emailed First American about the vulnerability and published an article about it. In response, First American issued a press statement and filed a Form 8K with the SEC that collectively asserted, among other things, that the company had learned of a design defect, that it took immediate action to address the situation, and that there were no indication of a large-scale unauthorized access to customer information. Importantly, according to the SEC, between the journalist's email and the public disclosures that followed, First American's Chief Information Security Officer and Chief Information Officer learned that the vulnerability had been identified in January 2019, but First American personnel failed to communicate this fact to the senior executives, including the CEO and CFO, responsible for the disclosure decisions. So the SEC found that First American violated Exchange Act Rule 13A-15A, because its disclosure controls and procedures failed to inform the company's senior management that certain personnel had learned of the vulnerability several months earlier and that the vulnerability had not been remediated in accordance with the company's policies. Specifically, the SEC noted that the executives making the disclosures lacked information to fully evaluate the company's cybersecurity responsiveness and the magnitude of the risk from the application's vulnerability at the time they approved the company's disclosures. Without admitting or denying the SEC's findings, First American agreed to pay a civil penalty of $487,616. Tony, there was a second case shortly after that. Can you tell us about that case? Thanks, Bob. On August 16th, the SEC charged Pearson PLC, an educational publisher and services provider, with similar violations. According to the SEC, in March 2019, the company learned that exploiting a vulnerability in software that the company provided to school district and university accounts, a hacker had accessed and downloaded millions of rows of data, including individuals' usernames and passwords, as well as names, birth dates, and email addresses. 
The company allegedly received notice of the software vulnerability and an available patch from the software manufacturer in September 2018, six months before the attack, but failed to patch the vulnerability until after the attack. The subsequently filed Form 6K, the company listed a cybersecurity incident as a risk factor, but did not disclose that such a breach had actually occurred. The company also issued a press statement that, according to the SEC, misstated the nature and extent of the breach. For example, the SEC took issue with the fact that the statement described the incident as involving exposure of data when it was known that the threat actor actually downloaded data from the server, and also that the statement failed to mention that the breach involved millions of rows of student data. Although the stock price only declined 3.3% following the public disclosures of the breach, the SEC still found that the breach was material, noting that due to the nature of the company's business, its reputation and ability to attract and retain revenue relied in part on its ability to safeguard personally identifying information, or PII. Ultimately, the SEC found violations of Sections 17A2 and 17A3 of the Securities Act, Section 13A of the Exchange Act, and Rules 12B20 and 13A16 under them, based on misleading disclosures. As in First American, the SEC also charged a violation of Exchange Act Rule 13A15A, based on a finding that the processes surrounding the drafting of the disclosures failed to inform relevant personnel of certain information about the circumstances surrounding the breach. Without admitting or denying the SEC's findings, Pearson agreed to pay a civil money penalty of $1 million in connection with charges. So lastly, on August 30th, the SEC announced three more enforcement actions that collectively sanctioned a group of eight broker-dealers and registered investment advisors for deficient cybersecurity procedures and disclosure controls. In each case, the cloud-based email accounts of the firm representatives, including independent contractors, had been taken over by unauthorized third parties, resulting in the compromise or potential compromise of thousands of clients' PII. Across all three actions, the SEC found that the firms failed to design and enforce cybersecurity policies in a manner reasonably designed to ensure the protection of confidential customer information in violation of Rule 30A of Regulation SP, which is also known as the Safeguards Rule. For instance, the SEC noted that the firms recommended, but did not require, that certain of their independent and offshore contractors use multi-factor authentication, or MFA, when accessing sensitive data, even though such contractor systems and their access to sensitive data were generally at risk of compromise that was equal to or greater than that of the firm's employees. The SEC also criticized the fact that even after learning that the lack of MFA-enabled account takeovers to occur, certain firms did not promptly update their policies to require independent contractors to implement MFA or adopt other security measures in order to prevent similar breaches. The SEC's order in one of the actions, for instance, found that the firm discovered the first email account takeover in January 2018, but failed to adopt and implement firm-wide enhanced security measures for its representatives' cloud-based email accounts until 2021, almost three years later. One of these actions also involved charges related to deficient disclosures. Specifically, the SEC found that certain breach notifications to customers 
included template language that referred to the underlying breach as recent and stated that the firm had learned that an unauthorized individual gained access to the recipient's PII two months earlier. According to the SEC, these notifications were misleading because the reference dates did not reflect the date on which the breach was discovered, which was at least six months earlier, but rather the date on which it was determined that the particular recipient's PII may have been accessed. In other words, in the SEC's view, the breach notifications misleadingly suggested that the notifications were issued sooner than they actually were after the firm's discovery of the incidents. As a result, the SEC found that the procedures relating to cybersecurity disclosures were not reasonably designed under Section 206 for the Advisors Act because the review of the breach notifications failed to correct the template language that was misleading in light of the circumstances. In these cases, without admitting or denying the SEC's findings, the firms in all three actions agreed to pay a penalty ranging from between $200,000 to $300,000. Thank you both for that helpful overview. So you noted a variety of issues at stake in these actions, but do you see any themes or key areas of focus for the SEC emerging from them? Certainly. One common denominator is the focus on failures to implement or carry out sufficient cybersecurity policies and widely known best practices. For example, in the last three actions we discussed, the SEC brought charges based on failures to implement multi-factor authentication or sufficiently enforce their policies requiring the use of MFA, even after email accounts were taken over. On this, I'll note that the focus on MFA in these cases indicates that the SEC may be viewing it as a minimum requirement for security measures to be deemed reasonable. Agreed, Tony. A second point is the SEC's attention to failures to timely recognize vulnerabilities and timely remediate them once known. In all five of these cases we've discussed today, the entities allegedly knew that certain vulnerabilities existed but waited months and in some cases years before remediating them or adopting additional security measures to address them. And a third theme is that most of these actions involve public statements about cybersecurity incidents that the SEC deemed misleading, either because the personnel responsible for the disclosure were inadequately and untimely informed of the relevant facts, or because the statements downplayed the timing or significance of the breach. And to take a bigger picture view for a moment, there's also the fact that all of these actions were brought over the course of three months. Is that level of cyber-based enforcement activity typical for the SEC? Not at all. It's unprecedented, particularly when considering the SEC's focus in these cases on disclosure controls and procedures. To be clear, the SEC has shown some interest in this area in the past. For example, in 2018, the SEC issued guidance about the application of disclosure rules on cybersecurity risks. The SEC also brought its first-ever enforcement action against Altaba, formerly Yahoo, for failure to properly inform investors of a cybersecurity incident. Later that year, the SEC also charged a broker-dealer and investment advisor for failure to implement reasonable procedures to protect customer information and failure to apply its procedures to systems used by independent contractors. And then in 2019, the SEC charged Facebook with making misleading disclosures regarding the risk of misuse of data. Specifically, the SEC found that Facebook's disclosures framed the risk as merely hypothetical when the company knew that a third party had in fact misused user data. 
Aside from those actions, however, we did not see much enforcement activity from the SEC in a cyber context in the last several years. In fact, the Altaba action was, until First American, the only SEC enforcement action focused on cybersecurity disclosure controls and procedures. Now, in the span of just three months, the SEC has brought five cyber-related actions, three of which involved allegedly deficient disclosure controls. So the question becomes, why is the SEC enhancing its focus on these issues now? Well, the last year has seen a rise in cybersecurity incidents against major companies. There was the highly publicized SolarWinds attack, which left thousands of customers, including Fortune 500 companies and government agencies, vulnerable to hackers. Another example is the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack, which prompted the company to shut down both its corporate networks and fuel lines for several days to mitigate the damage. It in turn led to widely reported gasoline shortages, price spikes, and panic buying. In light of these events, the federal government has zeroed in on cybersecurity. In May, President Biden issued an executive order requiring government agencies and certain government contractors to comply with specified cybersecurity measures, such as adopting MFA. In June, House lawmakers introduced legislation aimed at increasing cybersecurity awareness and educating the American public about data security. In August, the White House hosted a cybersecurity meeting with leaders from a variety of industries, including the CEOs of Amazon and Microsoft, during which President Biden urged the private sector to take action to strengthen its cybersecurity defenses. So clearly, there is a heightened awareness of cybersecurity risks and it appears that the SEC is looking to become more proactive and a bigger player in this area as well. Let's talk about that last point for a moment. So far, we've been focused on the enforcement angle, but there have been reports that the SEC is considering these issues from the examination and rulemaking perspective as well. Bob, could you tell us more about that? Absolutely, Chaz. In March, the SEC announced its 2021 examination priorities, one of which is information security and operational resiliency. Specifically, it noted that the Division of Examination will review whether registrants have taken appropriate measures to do a list of things, including safeguard customer accounts and prevent account intrusions, oversee vendors and service providers, address malicious email activities such as phishing or account intrusions, and respond to cyber incidents. These issues are echoed in many of the enforcement actions that we just discussed. Additionally, right around the time the first American action was announced, the SEC released its spring 2021 rulemaking agenda, which stated that the agency will consider proposed rulemaking amendments relating to cybersecurity risk governance. Any thoughts on what those rule amendments might look like? Uh, good question. The notice of proposed rulemaking is expected later this fall, and the SEC has not explicitly said what the amendments will entail. That said, the SEC's abstract for this agenda item states that the Division of Corporation Finance is considering recommending rule amendments to enhance issuer disclosures regarding cybersecurity risk governance. So it seems that the rules will be geared towards disclosures. The 2018 guidance that Tony mentioned earlier requires that companies disclose material cybersecurity risks in a timely fashion. The new rules may seek to clarify what makes a cybersecurity risk material or a disclosure timely. For example, looking at how the SEC approached the issue of materiality in Pearson, 
It may issue rules that formally adopt a broader interpretation of materiality in the cyber security breach context than in other contexts. It may also seek to establish more requirements around disclosure controls, including communications to senior personnel about the relevant facts. So with all this in mind, what advice can you share for companies looking to ensure that they're adopting best practices in the cyber context? Sure. First, companies should ensure that they not only have appropriate cybersecurity policies in place, but also that those policies are being adequately enforced. In one of the broker-dealer and investment advisor actions, for example, the SEC brought charges where certain accounts that were taken over did not have MFA turned on as required by company policy. And in First American, the SEC noted that the company did not remediate a known vulnerability within the time frame set forth in its own policies. Second, companies should review their policies and controls with respect to independent contractors and other third parties to ensure that they are adequate and at least as stringent as those that apply to employees. The SEC addressed this issue head-on in the recent enforcement actions And in light of the heightened awareness of the risks of vendor and supply chain attacks following the compromise of the SolarWinds software, I think we can expect this to remain a point of interest. Third, companies should ensure that they are effectively and timely remediating known vulnerabilities, regardless of policies. For example, in First American, the SEC noted the company's failure to address the vulnerability within the time frame required under the company's policy. In the actions against the group of broker-dealers and investment advisors, the SEC found a violation of the safeguards rule based on the fact that the firms waited months after discovering certain email account takeovers before requiring the affected or other contractors to implement MFA. Exactly right, Tony. There are also a few takeaways relating to disclosures and disclosure controls specifically. One is the company should review their disclosure controls and procedures to assess whether they provide for the timely escalation of cybersecurity incidents and vulnerability by line employees to more senior personnel, including legal personnel and those responsible for making the disclosures. This will help ensure that the disclosures are not only timely, but also accurate. Relatedly, when drafting disclosure, especially when drafting from templates, Companies should ensure that their statements regarding an incident are sufficiently specific and tailored to their circumstances and experience. A company should also take care to avoid framing the risk of a cybersecurity incident as merely hypothetical when it is known that such an incident has in fact occurred. And as we discussed briefly before, companies should be mindful that the SEC may be adopting a more expansive interpretation of materiality in the cyber context. In other words, When evaluating disclosure obligations, companies should consider not just the financial impact, but the full range of potential harms, including reputational risks that may arise from a given cybersecurity incident. And finally, even though we have been focused on how the SEC is addressing cybersecurity issues, I should briefly mention the so-called caremark duties of directors under state law. Cyber is mission critical to many companies, The cyber control environment and dealing with cyber incidents are important board-level matters, and companies are well advised to involve their boards in important cyber decision-making and incident response. Thanks very much, Tony and Bob, and thank you for listening to SEC Critical Insights. For more information about cybersecurity and our practice, please visit us on the web at (laughs) www.sulcrom.com. 